The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Now, from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. This certainly is a great jobs report. Most of the economy has recovered the jobs that companies had pre-pandemic. My gosh, isn't it great? I'm very pleased that we've got strong job growth. But we're in a recession. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective. From D.C.'s top names. Even if wages are going up a little, they're falling further and further behind the families of America are each month. The same people who said the American Rescue Plan would rescue you have thrown you back into the water. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. So you say we're in a recession. Welcome to the fastest hour in politics with a stronger-than-expected jobs report stunning Wall Street and dropping within hours of a new deal being struck in the Senate on a Democrat-only tax and climate bill. We'll talk jobs and economy with Bharat Ramamurthy, Deputy Director of the White House National Economic Council. And now that Senator Kirsten Sinema has spoken, a vote is set for tomorrow in the Senate, a working weekend. We'll look inside the evolving reconciliation deal with Bloomberg's Eric Wasson, who's been breaking news on this all week. Republicans taking aim at the bill. We'll talk about it with our panel, Bloomberg Politics contributor, Democratic analyst Jeannie Shanzano, along with Republican strategist Lizzie Guyton of South and Hill Strategies, former communications director for Governor Charlie Baker. If you could believe the print at 8.30 this morning, like Vinny was saying, 528,000 jobs last month. It's more than twice the estimate, right? People expected 250. I'm not real good at math. But unemployment dropped unexpectedly. Wage growth accelerated. Labor Secretary Marty Walsh took the victory lap this morning on Bloomberg. Here he is. This certainly is a great jobs report. When you look at the different sectors, uh, most of the economy has recovered. The jobs that were uh, that companies had pre-pandemic are all returned. So it shows good gains. Uh, we've showed some good wage growth. We've seen, shown good, good areas. Manufacturing is one of those areas that certainly we've seen come back, not just come back to pre-pandemic levels, but go beyond that. Doesn't sound like a recession. The push and pull continues here as Republicans say we are in one. And we're joined now by one of President Biden's economic advisors, Bharat Ramamurthy, is deputy director, the White House National Economic Council, to help us dig into this. Bharat, welcome back to Bloomberg. Thank you so much for having me. President Biden says more people are working now than at any time in American history, which is quite a statement. Now, following the two back-to-back negative GDP reports, and all of the talk about recession, is this the evidence that proves we are not in one? Well, I think the uh, job report today shows once again that there is very little evidence of the United States economy being in a recession. Uh, As you noted, more people, uh, based on this jobs report, more people are working today than at any other point in the country's history. The unemployment rate, which is actually a tick below 3.5%, if you go out to two decimal places, is the lowest that it's been in 53 years. Uh, And it's a great time for finding a job. At the same time, a lot of economists remain worried about inflation. As you know, I know it's a priority for the president. Wage growth was up more than expected here at 5.2%, which of course is good for workers. But we also hear from uh, economists about this who are troubled. We heard today from Mohamed Alarian, who's a Bloomberg 
opinion contributor, The Economist. I'd love for you to respond to what he said. Let's listen. The next phase of inflation is going to be wage-driven. If that occurs, it's good for the worker, it's good for the economy. However, it means that core inflation will prove to be much stickier coming down. Now, Barat, I'm not going to ask you to comment on Fed policy. I just want to know if the White House, if you are worried about a wage spiral, like Mohammed Alarian said, being the next phase. Well, I would say this. The president's number one uh, economic priority is fighting inflation. And he agrees with those who, who say that this should be at the top of our priority list. You know, what our approach is, is to expand the productive capacity of the economy and to bring down the federal deficit, both of which will have the effect uh, of reducing inflation. You know, we are on the 10-yard line right now of passing the Inflation Reduction Act, mm-hmm. which would uh, add an additional $300 billion worth of deficit reduction to the $1.7 trillion of deficit reduction we're already projected to have this year. It will bring down costs for consumers on, uh, on energy, on prescription drugs, mm-hmm. on health insurance. Uh, it is uh, a remarkably effective bill at dealing with the economic moment that we're in. And it's one reason why uh, economists aco- across the political spectrum have come out and said this bill will be effective at fighting inflation. So yeah. look, we, we agree that fighting inflation has to be our top priority. We understand that it's squeezing working families and we want to get it down. Our approach, uh, rather than trying to put the hammer down on wages, is to try to uh, expand the supply side of the economy and take other steps help reduce the cost that families face. Yeah. I, you know, of course, Republicans are saying, and you know this, uh, I'm sure you hear it as often as I do, Brad, that this would, in fact, pour gasoline on the inflation fire, that it's more spending, that it raises taxes. And I don't want to get into an argument with you about that here. I'm just, if we get a vote this weekend on this reconciliation bill, it appears, since you brought this up, I'll ask you, to not include the end of the carried interest loophole we heard from Senator Elizabeth Warren earlier today was not happy, and some progressives are not happy about this. Is the White House okay with that not being in the final version? Well, I want to go back to one thing that you said. I know you, didn't, yeah. you said you didn't want to get into an argument on this, but I have to say this is not adding fuel to the fire. This is uh, bringing down the deficit. Uh, there's a uh, trillion dollars worth of revenue coming into the federal government yeah. through this proposal, uh, and far less than that in, in spending. And so uh, that's one of the reasons why, as I said, economists across the political spectrum are acknowledging that this would be effective uh, at fighting inflation. No, and by the uh, way, you should also know we've had Mark Zandi on the air saying that, Larry Summers on the air saying that, but we, we do try to bring both sides together here when, when, sure. when they don't agree. Uh, is carried interest, though, uh, uh, is that a problem for the White House to not have the loophole closed here? Well, I will say this. We are supportive of the modified bill, uh, even without that provision in it. Would we like to see that loophole closed? Of course. Uh, we're going to keep at it. There's a lot of things on the president's economic agenda that we haven't gotten to yet yeah. and that we're going to keep fighting for. But um, uh, progress is often about compromise. Uh, we think that we have a great compromise here that's going to be a win for the American people, a win for the American worker. Uh, and we're we're asking Congress to move as quickly as possible on it. So you do have a plan, though, to come back around. And is, I know that Senator Kirsten Sinema said that as well, that there would be another round, another attempt to at least reform carried interest. Is that what the White House plans? Yeah, well, I, I saw Senator Sinema's uh, statement. I'm glad to hear that she's interested in continuing to work on that issue. Sure. I know that mem- many members of uh, of Congress are interested in working on that issue. The White House stands ready uh, to assist them in that. We've got other things that we want to push forward on our agenda. We've got to do something about housing affordability and expanding uh, affordable housing supply. Uh, the, the president has plans on the care agenda, child care, elder care, and so on. Uh, but we're making a lot of progress 
on a number of elements of our economic agenda. Uh, for the first time, allowing Medicare to negotiate the cost of prescription drugs. That's really, that's been something that presidents of both parties have talked yeah. about for a long time. And we're, really, we're on the verge of actually making that happen. You know what I thought you were going to say is that instead of the carried interest component, you've got an excise tax on stock buybacks, which will actually generate more money. Is that something that the White House does want to see? Uh, absolutely. We've been supportive of that 1% buybacks tax uh, all the way back since, since when the House of Representatives passed it. Uh, a few months ago. Uh, we think it's a, a smart way of equalizing the tax treatment between buybacks and dividends so that when corporations are deciding what to do with their money, there isn't a thumb on the scale for one way of returning money to shareholders hmm. relative to another. Uh, and as a number of folks have said, including some folks on the Republican side, uh, this kind of buybacks tax can actually encourage companies to reinvest those earnings, which we think is a good thing for the long-term growth and potential of the economy. So is it reinvestment, or do you see them putting more money into dividends as a result? Well, I think that different corporations are going to react differently. Obviously, if they shift into dividends, yeah. uh, then we get more of the tax revenue. If they put it into investments, that's a good outcome, too, because we think uh, that leads to more productivity, more innovation, maybe better wages for workers, huh. all of which are good outcomes for uh, for the American economy. This is a tough spot we're in, right? I know that you're here to, to tell me how great this job market is. There are more Americans working than ever. Uh, you've got a good story to tell on this jobs report, but you're dealing with uh, an economy that's coming off a, a, a phase of being overheated and, and sparking a lot of inflation, and you have to balance these two at the same time. So as you look forward, and, and if we're entering a slowing economy here, how do you maintain these job gains? Well, the president has said for a few months now that our goal is to transition from a historically strong economic recovery into steady and stable growth. Mm -hmm. And we would expect that during that period of time, uh, the job gains numbers are going to go down, even though we got a blockbuster report today. Actually, if you look at the larger trend, if you look at the last six months compared to the previous six months, job gains are coming down a little bit. Um, but the point is, uh, the, the analogy I like to use is when we came into office we were starting a marathon, and we were a few miles behind some of our competitors. And other countries were far ahead of us in terms of their recovery. Hmm. And what we needed to do was sprint to catch up to them. And that's what we did. You know, We had the single greatest year for job growth uh, in the history of this country. The, uh, the unemployment rate came down from over 6% to under 4%. Uh, but now that we're in the lead, if you look at where our economy is relative to other countries, huh. uh, we can't sprint forever. Yeah. We've got to set, settle into a steady pace. And How long does it take for us to catch our breath? <laughs> well, look, I think that we're doing it. Uh, we may have to walk a fine line here, but so far I think we're doing a good job of that. We're seeing robust uh, labor market, good consumer spending, uh, good business investment. Uh, at the same time, job openings, which is something that the Fed said that it's focused on, uh, are starting to come down a little bit. Uh, inflationary expectations over the long term and medium term are starting to come down a little bit. So uh, huh. we see a lot of good signs in the economy as of today. Any thoughts on how the estimates were so far off, how this could be twice as hot as Wall Street expected or economists predicted, Brought? Well, I should say, if you look back at the last 18 months, uh, a lot of the expectations have been off in both directions. They have. And, uh, and I'm not trying to uh, poke fun at anybody. I think it's just an incredibly hard. Is that just the noise uh, of a post-pandemic economy? Exactly. I think that there are uh, a lot of uh, idiosyncrasies and, uh, and variability in the data that we've seen over the last 18 months. There's a lot of cross-currents of the economy, and I think it's hard for uh, people who make these projections to take all of that into account uh, and get it right every time. But uh, I think setting aside the projection, uh, more than 500,000 new jobs created, that means it's a good day for America. Barat Ramamurti, Deputy Director of the White House National Economic Council, we thank you for coming back to talk to us on Bloomberg. Thank you so much.
The word from the administration. Of course, as I mentioned, Republicans could not agree less on all things economic, and we'll get into that next. With the Sound On panel, Bloomberg Politics contributor, Democratic analyst Jeannie Shanzano is here on this Friday, along today with Republican strategist Lizzie Guyton of South Hill Strategies. We'll check traffic and markets for you on the way. The fastest hour in politics. Welcome to the threshold of the weekend. I'm Joe Matthew, and this is Bloomberg. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So, there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. This is Bloomberg Sound On on Bloomberg Radio. The headline could be written by the White House itself. U.S. job growth surges, tempering recession worry. How about it? Things have changed since the last GDP report. But it's also pressing the Fed, this jobs report, and that's where things get complicated, right? Republican leadership in the House held a news conference early today. Senator John Barrasso of Wyoming chairs the Republican conference. This was after the jobs report came out. His message could not be further from the White House's. Here he is. Even if wages are going up a little, they're falling further and further behind the families of America are each month as Joe Biden's been president because costs have gone up so high. The Democrats are going to make it worse if they're able to pass this reckless tax and spending bill. Pointing to the reconciliation bill that we're going to dig into a little bit more later in the hour. So this is where we start with the panel. Bloomberg Politics contributor, Democratic analyst Jeannie Shanzano with us, along today with Lizzie Guyton, founding partner of South and Hill Strategies in the great city of Boston, former communications director for Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker. Lizzie, it's great to have you today. Jeannie, happy Friday. Let's start, I guess, with what's good news, right? The White House wants to take a victory lap on this, but if the job market is so good that we're celebrating you know, twice expectations... That could also mean twice the interest rates in a really difficult end of this year in the economy, right? That's right. And it is a huge victory for the White House. And, uh, you know, we will get the inflation numbers, as we all know, next week. And there is a, you know, a real fear that the Fed is going to act to have to slow this all down. But 
you know, if you just look at this politically, the White House feels like they are in very good shape because everybody talking about recession, this has sort of quieted a much of that talk. And that's a very good day for the White House on yeah. what has otherwise been a really, really tough few months. This last week or two has been very good for them. Lizzie, the Republican message has been incredibly consistent through this period of time. And we've had a lot of, you know, really boffo jobs reports here. But the fact of the matter is, whether we're arguing about a recession or not, inflation is issue number one. This White House has acknowledged it. You just heard that from Bharat Ramamurti. They constantly say that this is the president's priority, that we're aware that, you know, we can feel people's pain. And when you look at the president's job approval numbers, that's that's the proof, right? This is still an economy besieged by inflation, even if the jobs report is this hot. That's right, Joe. And even though today's job report is, of course, uh, something that the White House is going to take a victory lap on, it's really just one piece of the puzzle at, at this point. And we're still seeing labor participation dropping. We're still seeing inflation at a 40-year high. And there's no end in sight. And I think, you know, it's it's great to talk off of jobs reports and all these things that politicians and people in Washington walk, watch so closely But when you think about what people are feeling and their concerns over the high cost of food and gas and some of the weird economic trends going on, there's still a lot of concern in American households, and that can't be overlooked. So what do you do, Jeannie, if you're Joe Biden? Then, for crying out loud, I just got you 500 and something thousand jobs and unexpectedly low 3.5 percent unemployment is not something that we thought we were going to see. And he's got a job approval rating stuck in the 30s. You know, he's got to keep grinding away at this. You know, the the reality is we should also add to that that gas prices have been going down steadily. And you reminded us of that at this bill signing today. I mean, if you listen to him on the economy, you would think that this was the high water mark. You hear Republicans and you think we're in a recession. That's right. And, and you know, there the reality is we are not in a recession yet, uh, but as we've talked about so much, it depends on how you define it. But, yeah. you know, uh, just to add to what Lizzie was saying, and, and she's absolutely right, the White House has to keep their eye on what people are feeling, because for all the successes in terms of passing bills and unemployment numbers and these things, the reality is if, you know, there's a lot of jobs out there, but you're paying more for everything except for gas at this point, that mm. doesn't feel so good to voters and to people. And that's what Joe Biden has to keep talking about. I think he is able to do that. He's able to celebrate what are the good numbers and to keep focusing on inflation, keep us out of a recession. And that is sort of the winning strategy here. But they can't take too much of a victory lap with inflation this high. No, I guess not. I just don't I I just don't feel like it matters what he says at this point. Lizzie, I want to bring you back because we can talk about uh, some real major challenges that we're dealing with right now in our economy. But but Secretary Marty Walsh, who I know, you know, you spent a, a lot of years uh, uh, running the communication shop for Charlie Baker when he was working with Marty Walsh as the mayor of Boston. He said something today in his interview on Bloomberg that that was really remarkable because we are now back amazingly uh, to pre pandemic levels in the job market. But he kind of brought me back to that period of time that puts things in perspective a little bit. Listen to Secretary Walsh. Pandemic March of 2020, I was the mayor of Boston and we were shutting businesses down. We were shutting retail, uh, restaurants down. Uh, it, we didn't really know what the economy held and thinking about where we are today was really incredible. And I think that this will, in my opinion, will be sustainable moving forward. I think companies are understanding. I think we're going to have a new type of economy. Chris, we've got to have the siren when Marty Walsh is on, I swear. But Lizzie, <laughs> You were there. I was there. We didn't know if we were ever getting out of that. And I know everyone had their own version. But in the city of Boston at that point, 
it was a crisis. It was one of the first cities to, to overflow uh, with the COVID story. We only have a minute left. That is something noteworthy. To think that we're back to a pre-pandemic job market is incredible. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, Mayor Walsh, now Secretary Walsh, he had a tough job uh, during COVID and he arguably has a tougher job now in the Biden administration. And it makes a good point about job numbers and looking at that top line. But there's also still some funky things going on in the economy. If you're reading some of the reports, uh, media reports out of Boston, we're having issues with shortages of teachers, of healthcare mm-hmm. workers. Um, and, you know, a lot of people are saying that they're leaving certain professions that we consider essential due to COVID burnout. So even if we're looking at that top line number, you do have to look into the details and see what exactly yeah. is going on. And, you know, it does cause a lot of stress and anxiety yep. uh, among families when you have a lack of workers in these certain Hold places. That people thought, want to make sure they're. Jeannie Shanzano, our panel. This is Bloomberg. That sound you're hearing is the sound of airplane reservations being made. Not only is the Senate working this weekend, now the House is coming back Friday to vote on this reconciliation bill. I mean, boy, we came close last year. A lot of folks still aren't sure somebody's going to pull the football. But here's where things stand, thanks in part to crack reporting uh, from Eric Watson, who's going to be with us in just a moment. Uh, Bloomberg's been doing a great job on this this week, is getting news somehow out of Kirsten Cinema's office. Uh, If you've been following the bouncing ball here, this reconciliation plan changed uh, since we last spoke. Carried interest. Remember, we went to school yesterday with Professor Shanali on carried interest. It's gone. But I'll let the majority leader talk about this. Chuck Schumer, what's coming out of the bill? Senator Sinema said she would not vote for the bill, not even move to proceed unless we took it out. So we we had no choice. Uh, The only other real change here is there is in the uh, $313 billion that we gained from closing uh, corporate tax loopholes, the corporate so-called minimum tax, Mm -hmm. a piece was taken out, but $258 billion of that remains. Okay, so narrowing the corporate minimum tax. Uh, But something else was added to the bill, and it appears to be a net plus, if you're looking at the numbers at least. Again, here's Chuck Schumer. What we added is something that excites me and I think excites all Democrats and particularly (laughs) progressives. We're adding in an excise tax on stock buybacks that will bring in $74 billion. By way of contrast, the carried interest loophole, as it was phrased, and we took the exact language the House had, um, was a $14 billion income. This is $74 billion, five times. And... I hate stock buybacks. Yeah, he was passionate about the the stock hates. So does Bernie Sanders. Uh, And I guess you'll be paying a tax on that here. But it looks like, as we heard earlier this hour from uh, Bharat Ramamurti at the White House, the administration is on board here. I guess it's a wash in the end. I want to hear about this uh, from Eric Wasson, who saw it all coming. Bloomberg Congress reporter. Great work, first of all, this week, Eric. Uh, We've really relied on, on what you and your team have been reporting from the Hill does this end up being kind of a wash, or did Kirsten Cinema just end up reducing the deficit by even more? You know, if, if the math holds, uh, we don't have a final CBO score. It sounds like there's a little bit more uh, deficit reduction, although we're just getting word that four uh, Western senators, including Cinema, have struck a deal to add $4 billion in spending into this to address the drought. So the drought maybe money. That, okay. That, you know, that drought money might suck up a little bit of that extra deficit reduction for Manchin. The key is to have above $300 billion in 
in deficit reduction over ten years. So I, you know, that, I guess that little surplus is being being spent. But yeah, the stock buyback, uh, you know, it is a big change. Uh, we uh, talked to market participants today, and and they're kind of you know not really uh, phased by it. But there is some analysis that could boost dividends, could lower stock valuations in the long run, um, and you know, it remains to be seen. Uh, you know, it's one percent excise tax. Uh, we still are trying to figure out the effective date. I asked Chuck Schumer that oh. that press conference. They don't know, yeah, yeah. but if it gets effective on January first, we might see a, a bonanza at the end of the year of stock buybacks. Wow! Well, that's huge. And you also just gave us a little bit more news because I don't think Chuck Schumer had the answer to that drought money question. So that is basically Kirsten Cinema got everything she wanted here. Is that right? Well, I mean, she got a lot of she got a lot of changes that she wanted, and uh, yeah. the mystery for for us really is why on carried interest. Uh, you know, it's it's Arizona. It's not uh, Manhattan. Why why is this uh, a big deal for her? Uh, you know, we did ask her office, and they said that she viewed it as a, a blow to the Arizona economy. If really, tax <laughs> break went away. Uh, but we, you know, we're going to continue to dig into that. We know that private equity is a big contributor to her campaign. Well, that's what this story is, right? I mean, you know, you've been around long enough to know that this this could mean a couple extra checks in the fall. Right. And, um, you know, the other thing is that she said in her statement she's going to work with uh, Mark Warner, who is the senator from Virginia, on a, on a possible compromise on carried interest. But he yeah. was on Bloomberg TV uh, saying, you know, uh, it's not a clear path for that. And I think, you know, if they lose the House or Senate, they could try to do another budget bill in December. Uh, we're already thinking maybe for the debt limit. But, uh, you know, I think it's, it's, it's more likely than not that this carried interest loophole continues to persist. That Mark Warner interview uh, was was really important. And I boy, Republicans aren't buying any of this uh, to the point where Congressman Lindsey Graham was tweeting threats today. Uh, and I don't know how you read this. We'll, we'll get into this a little bit later with the panel. I, I'm assuming that you saw this, Eric. He's talking about mm-hmm. uh, a word of advice, he says, to those who support this reconciliation deal. If you expect the CR, the continuing resolution, this is the budget CR, to deliver a political payoff with 60 votes, you might want to rethink. Then he replies to his own tweet. If there's something you want in this deal that cannot be achieved in reconciliation, if I were you, I would get it up front. Is he threatening to shut down the government, Eric, or what? Well, he, you know, maybe. Uh, you know, I think, I think it's kind of an empty threat. At the end of the day, you know, this is similar to when they took the veterans' bill hostage. When the when, after the Mansion Schumer deal came out, they, yeah. they tried to block this veterans' uh, bill, and like John Stewart, everyone shelled them and yeah, they yeah. walk it back and got nothing for it. You know, they're talking about uh, blocking uh, a temporary government spending bill because it has fossil fuel permitting reform in it. Yeah. I mean, that's just a bad headline. For so this sounds like bluster to Eric permitting reform. I, I just don't, I think it's a bluff. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, we asked uh, someone, uh, my colleagues asked Chuck Schumer about this a long way off. Sure, at yep. the end of September. We'll see. Uh, you know, I just don't, I, 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 I'm, I'm dubious about it. He also said somewhere uh, in that uh, press conference today that he wants something for South Carolina. He'll make a play for that. Um, We're going to give you a little taste of what of what the senator from South Carolina had to say. Eric, thank you so much. Eric Wasson, uh, I hope you get a real weekend after all that work this week. Lindsey Graham in the, the, the gallery, the Senate Radio TV gallery today, lays it down on this claim of this legislation lowering inflation. Here he is. I think it's more likely the Taliban didn't know that Zarqawi was in Kabul than this lowers inflation. And why do I say that? It takes a lot of time to keep girls out of school, measure beards, and make sure no ankles showing on a burqa. So maybe they were just busy. The one thing I can tell you about this bill, 
It will not lower inflation. The same people who said the American Rescue Plan would rescue you uh, have thrown you back into the water. But wait, I thought it was safe to go back in the water. Lindsey Graham stirs it up again with the prospect of inflation on the horizon. And what now, a government shutdown? We reassemble the panel next. This is Bloomberg. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. So even if the reconciliation bill passes, or I guess especially if it does, we could have some interesting games coming up at the end of the year in the budgeting process as Senator Lindsey Graham promises to. Well, I'm not sure what. He was threatening the people to do what they need to do now. You better get it up front, he said. If you expect the CR to deliver a political payoff with 60 votes, you might want to rethink He was in prime form today. Well, you heard him a little bit ago if you were with us here on Sound On. Uh, A lot more where that came from, particularly on this bill and in a direct message to the Democrat who Republicans loved a minute ago, Joe Manchin, along with Kirsten Sinema. Here's Senator Graham. I'm hoping that we can come up with um, proposals that will make sense to a few of them and they will abandon this jihad their own to tax and spend. But I just turn it over to John now, but to Joe Manchin, you have a game plan that counts on something you need to really think long and hard about. (laughs) We reassemble the panel. Bloomberg Politics contributor and Democratic analyst Jeannie Shanzano is here today with Lizzie Guyton, former comms director for Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker and... uh, founding partner of South and Hill Strategies. What do you make of this, Lizzie? This is like, I guess, really good ammunition for midterms, right? Republicans dragged this out. Not only did Democrats create historic inflation, but then they went even further and spent even more in a, in, and did it all on their own, not a single Republican vote. Is that what we hear between now and November? Well, when it comes to this reconciliation bill now, conveniently renamed the Inflation Reduction Act, it's, it's no surprise that no Republicans have been on board with this bill. 
Um, and they have cited concerns about the taxes and the increase in spending that's coming at a, an inopportune time when we're uh, arguably in a recession and everybody's feeling the heat from inflation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even more broadly, Joe, you know, only according to a New York Times poll, only 10 percent of the nation is feeling positive about the economy right now. And I think any discussions of more taxes and more spending out of Washington is not going to help uh, qualm those fears. But you read the title. It says the inflation reduction right in the name. What's what's the problem here? And I'm, of course, I'm being sarcastic. But look, Lizzie, you're a specialist in messaging. Um, how does the Republican Party just keep the beat on inflation when the administration says, hey, I've got something to show for it? Well, I don't think that... Uh, the American people, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, believe that Washington's going to spend our way out of uh, inflation and, you know, an economic crisis. And I think Washington's really good at putting uh, appropriate names on bills. Uh, this bill started as a Build Back Better, and now it's conveniently been renamed to the Inflation Reduction Act at a time where inflation is top of mind. But um, it doesn't seem that any Republicans and even outside of that economists and others think that there's a lot in here that's actually going to be addressing uh, inflation in America right now. So what's uh, what's the story from the White House then, Jeannie? And we've 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 been through this a couple of times. Actually, getting this done, you would think would be a win, uh, but but the accomplishment is being clouded by the inflation story. And Republicans do a really good job telling it. They do, but I, I think we should also remember that this, if this bill does pass, and that's still an if, will be the largest investment in climate in the history of the planet. Yeah. I mean, what does that mean for the campaigns, though? Can that be translated into into motivation or action in November? It absolutely can. I mean, you know, listen, Joe Biden, when he ran, he promised to decrease emissions by fifty percent by twenty thirty. They're going to get to forty percent. We have been had decades of trying to fight the cost of pharmaceuticals. You want to talk about polls, um, vast majorities of Americans say they pay way too much for prescription drugs. We now have Medicare negotiations, caps for seniors, if this passes again, subsidies for people's, uh, people on the exchanges. And so this is a big win. And also you look at, you listen to, somebody the Republicans like to listen to an awful lot lately, like Larry Summers, and most economists agree this is deflationary. Yes, inflation is a problem. It has to be addressed. But this bill is going to decrease the deficit. It's not yeah. going to add to inflation. And so, you know, that's the message the White House has to be talking about. They know they've got a potentially big win here. And this has been a very good couple of weeks for Joe Biden. Not so much for Mitch McConnell and the Republicans who were outmaneuvered on this. And as you can hear from Lindsey Graham, he's throwing a tantrum now about that. You wonder what this if this is going to become a standoff over the budget, though. You didn't just say Larry Summers was a Republican, did you? Because no, no, no. I I said Republicans like to listen to him, (laughs) but he's not a Republican. No, I know know better than that. <laughs> Joe Manchin becomes a Republican some days, and so does Larry <laughs> Summers, depending on the side of the argument they're on. But uh, we'll see what happens with this. Obviously, uh, in, in we're going to find out in short order that the House is coming back next week, and then everybody's gone to get, I guess, beat up at uh, at town hall meetings. Uh, Lizzie, how do you prepare a politician, an office holder, to meet a room full of people who want to yell at him? Well, that's always a tough one, Joe. But Not you that know, your boss on... got yelled at very often, and I will say that firsthand. Hey, from time to time, uh, it, it happens. But, you know, I think that part of that argument is why uh, you know Republicans are concerned about this spending bill, which, you know, is a 700-page bill with no CBO score, and we still have, you know, what, 20 hours of debate to look forward to with amendments. So we're not exactly <laughs> sure how it's going to shake out. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the devil's in the details, you know, 
people are worried about high gas prices. They're worried about the high cost of food. They're worried about these trends in the economy uh, and inflation continuing to outpace wages. And that's what people are going to hear about, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, when you go home in your district. And, you know, in the event that there this bill does pass and there could be new taxes that could impact, you know, the oil and gas industry, if that's going to end up translating to consumers seeing higher prices at the pump or higher utilities in a few months, um, that's going to be a problem. And, you know, we have to think about these things a little bit more long term. Uh, you know, being in the Northeast, uh, we've already heard from some utilities for electric rates that they're going to nearly double this winter. And yeah. that has nothing to do with the bill that we're talking about. But, right. you know, when these things stack up, they really give people a lot of anxiety. And uh, again, just, feeds you know, throwing narrative. more spending at it, it feeds a narrative. Correct. Well, I'll tell you, uh, speaking of midterms, I'm deeply curious to see what happens uh, with this race uh, in Wyoming for Liz Cheney. You guys probably saw the ad uh, with Dick Cheney. If you haven't, it's really worth uh, your attention. It's it's I think it's been pretty well reviewed as being very well produced. Dick Cheney, who we don't see a lot of sitting outdoors with the cowboy hat on uh, and, and in a very well written and delivered ad, although you can hear in his voice that, you know, he's put a couple of years on him. Listen to this ad from Dick Cheney on behalf of his daughter, Liz Cheney, at least a portion. In our nation's 246-year history, there has never been an individual who is a greater threat to our republic than Donald Trump. He tried to steal the last election using lies and violence to keep himself in power after the voters had rejected him. He is a coward. A real man wouldn't lie to his supporters. He lost his election, and he lost big. I know it, he knows it, and deep down, I think most Republicans know it. Lynn and I are so proud of Liz for standing up for the truth. This goes on. Right. Honoring her oath to the Constitution. Yeah. When so many in our party are too scared to do so. You know, very effective message here. Uh, (laughs) Be calling Donald Trump a coward. A real man, Jeannie, uh, doesn't lie to his supporters. Uh, First of all, is this an effective ad? Because we I think that the the prognosis is still a loss for for Liz Cheney. And, And is Dick Cheney the right messenger to be talking about? being honest to your supporters. Yeah, it's a very effective ad. And he goes right after Donald Trump where it's got to hurt. And, you know, I always try to follow Truth Social to see what's happening and how Trump is (laughs) responding. So, yeah, I'll I'll keep you posted on that. But, you know, it's a very effective ad. He's, you know, it's a very Western look. And he's a very obviously very (laughs) proud of his daughter. Well, yeah. and, you know, and, and of course, the number of liberals who are now complimenting Dick Cheney is quite a head spinning, uh, you know, realization of what's happened in the last few years. We don't know. I don't think we know what's going to happen out there. There are polls which suggest she's way behind, but the polls right. in these midterms are few and far between. She's got a lot of money, a lot of name recognition. I think she likely and still... And a bunch will, of Democrats who want to vote for her, Maybe right? Democrats. She li- that People say she likely still will lose, and that could be, but I think she's going to put up quite a fight, and who knows if she loses, she may be running in 24. Is that, does the ad work for you, Lizzie? Does it make a difference? I think that it was a very effective ad. I agree with Jean, but I also think, you know, it makes sense for Liz Cheney based on her race and her platform and how she's uh, conducted herself and been very straightforward about how she feels about the Trump administration um, on a go forward basis. And sure, she has a tough race ahead of her, um, but there are, you know, several Republicans that are willing to share their viewpoint about Donald Trump if they do not agree with him or, you know, do not want to support him. And I think there's room for those opinions. It's sometimes hard to read the tea leaves in these primaries because, as we know, on both sides, uh, Democrats and Republicans both tend to, you know, run to the far left or the far right. 
um, and the general election can paint a much different picture. Well, I'll tell you what, based on, on reports, uh, Republicans are working really hard to try to, to, to turn this around in Wyoming. That's the 16th of August, by the way, the primary. Uh, before we say goodbye to Lizzie, and, and we don't have a lot of time, Lizzie, but I just wanted to acknowledge the fact that you used to work for Representative Jackie Walorski and flags are at half staff in Washington after the Republican from Indiana was tragically killed in a car accident with two staffers this week. She was in the leadership, leadership set to chair an important committee, uh, Lizzie, in a, in, a, in a real loss in Washington. Absolutely. I had the pleasure of working for her in uh, 2012 in her campaign, and she won that election by 4,000 votes to flip the seat from a yeah. uh, blue seat to a red seat. And uh, I got to tell you, Joe, um, her husband, Dean Swihart, at a vigil last night, said it best. Uh, Jackie knew who she was. And, you know, oftentimes in politics, we sort of talk about the the rancor and the gridlock. But um, to me, Jackie was above that. She was fair. She was kind. She was a smart team player. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun from May 14th to 16th. A thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at CutterEconomicForum.com.